For What It's Worth, a podcast in partnership with OmniTalk and Third House. I'm your host, Carlos Castellan, and I'm also the managing director of the Navio Group, a consulting firm that helps retail leaders transform their business. If you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can visit our website at thenaviogroup.com. That's T-H-E-N-A-V-I-O group.com. I'm joined by my colleague and the senior advisor at the Navio Group, Tupan Bhakji. Tupan, I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be back in studio and to see what 2020 brings in terms of stories in the world of retail. Definitely excited to be back, excited for the new year, excited to see all of the 2020 vision documents that we developed over the last 10 years or so in strategy sessions come to fruition because, of course, we were spot on and, and, and absolutely right in what our 2020 visions were like circa 2010 and 2015. Yeah. Hats off to those that said in 2010, uh, Sears, which was a $45 billion company at the time, would be gone in 10 years. Uh, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. Awesome. Well, we have a couple fun segments today, including uh, regular CEO Chalk Talk, where Michelle Gass, the CEO of Kohl's, writes in to get a third-party opinion on what's ailing the business as well as a little game called Full Price or Discount, where we decide whether we're buying a statement of face value or discounting its validity. So with that, we're off and running uh, and talking a little bit about sort of the stories here recently coming out of, of the holiday season. Um, and I think the first one that really is, is fresh in our minds because it just happened overnight was the uh, announcement that Gap was not going to spin off Old Navy and is actually going to keep it in its sort of, you know, in a stable of brands. What, what's your reaction to that? Like, what do you, you know, what comes to mind when you hear that? It's uh you know it's it's I think it's the right call um, for a couple of reasons you know first you know we do have a leadership transition I think we, we were chatting a little bit earlier so I'll let you elaborate on that but I think important to sort of let a new leader come in and have a foot fingerprint on a decision like that but I think more importantly what why I think this is important is that yeah despite some bumpy recent performance Old Navy has been the jewel in the crown it's the cash cow it's it's a you know and I think it's 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 more important to keep it in the fold. And look, you know, reap the synergies and think through the portfolio and the brand, you know, architecture of what each brand's purpose is. Um, because I think actually the danger of um, spinning it off is it actually could become more cannibalistic, uh, unfettered. And so, you know, kind of taking a page from the CPG playbook, I would say, you know, an observation for me in general, having spent more of my time in CPG and around marketers and that now more recently in retail is there's not often as intentional a segmentation and kind of thought around where brands are supposed to play. And so I think we've always, for years, probably had this kind of general sense of good, better, best. It's Old Navy Gap and Banana Republic. But now there's more brands in the fold. And I think, you know, as the um, offerings overlap, it's it's, it's, it's even more important uh, to think through, again, that portfolio strategy of like, what is each brand's purpose? Who are they trying to serve? Um, and then make sure that they work in harmony. And, you know, when, when can one hand off to the other? Um, and I take, you know, a, a, an example from my PepsiCo days around Frito-Lay. I mean, if you think about salty snacks, um, it, 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 to some extent, they're almost all interchangeable. Uh, uh, a Doritos chip, a, a potato chip, a Cheeto, et cetera. Um, and they came to this realization years ago that they were competing with themselves. And, and instead of spinning off brands and selling off brands, they took a very deliberate approach to carve out the demand occasions or sort of the segmentation of the market and push each brand into its own corner. So Ruffles, very different than Lay's, very different than Doritos, very different than Cheetos, and so, and, and Tostitos. And so very, very laser sharp clarity around who are you targeting? What is the occasion you're targeting? So that instead of stacking up all in the middle on top of each other, uh, each one had a clear purpose and swim lane. And, you know, naturally there are some overlaps, but a bit of a long-winded way of saying 
at the end of the day, keep it together. It's, it's a powerful brand. It's been a cash cow and jewel in the crown. And be more intentional about the thought around the portfolio uh, of, of brands and what each one's purpose is and manage that better. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, if you think about this purely, you know, let's say Art Peck has still been the CEO, probably makes still still makes sense to do it. He's got a vision. He's got a plan for what he's trying to do. Um, I think where it does make sense to spin it off is when you say, well, we need cash to, you know, transform the rest of the business. We have some good, you know, good brands in terms of Gap, Banana Republic, um, Athleta. We're going to do something about it, and we're going to invest in those businesses and use the old Navy money to do so. You know, now that he's not around, I think it it makes a lot of sense to keep the business intact and let the new leader make decisions about how they're going to allocate funds and what the strategy for the overall Gap Gap Inc. portfolio looks like. And you know, one of the things I saw overnight, uh, Phil Waba from from Fortune was sort of speculating that perhaps uh, the the old Navy CEO might actually be elevated to take over all of Gap. And in that scenario, obviously, it makes a lot of sense to then keep old Navy in house as part of the the stable of, of Gap Inc. So. You know, I think the harder part on this is obviously, if you're an investor, definitely frustrating because you know they've gone several different ways now. First, they announced this, and which was one of the biggest announcements I think in the world of retail yeah. to, to to have this happen. Um, Though I think the stock price went up, at least Gap, since it was Gap Inc., went up on the news of the the reversal. Yeah, and I, I mean, who knows who's still in yeah. it or not, or whether you know yeah. people sold, but. You know, you have the announcement, and then Art Peck leaves. They say, "Well, we're still continuing with the plan." And then you have, you know, the news overnight that obviously they're they're reversing course. So at the end of the day, I think it's the right strategic decision, but certainly been you know a bumpy road over the last twelve plus months. Yeah, uh, just due to all the the transition. That's an interesting decision that they took to to say that they were still on course because that would have been probably the better moment to just say, "Hey, everything's on pause. Like, let's regroup and figure it out." Not we're committed to something that was decided. By somebody now that we clearly didn't have full confidence in, and then have to reverse course seems a little more, seems a little less on uh, coordinated than one would hope. Absolutely, and I think uh, the flip side of that, I think where it's being handled well, and we'll get into a little bit later, is Bed Bath and Beyond, where they've, mm -hmm. you know, Mark Tritton's clearly taken, you know, <laughs> put a stake in the ground and said, "Hey, everything's on pause. We're going to come back with this with a strategic plan." And I think that's yeah. a great way to do that for both the for the investors as well as sort of key stakeholders in the in the rest of the company. Have to. Yeah. But good luck to the friends at Gap. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so second topic I think that we you know we wanted to cover today, uh, interesting sort of report this week from Target about the week holiday sales, which is surprising for a company that's been doing you know really well, I think, it, and it has a lot of momentum. The stores look great. They've been executing really well on, on the strategy. Um, I think the big report was there that you know electronics and toys was really um, you know ultimately what had caused them to have a poor fourth quarter, but that the rest of the soft categories had done really well. When you think about Target, you know, what do you what is what comes to mind when you hear that about about the holiday season in general? And also knowing that they're not the only retailer here to struggle. They have obviously still performed much better than you know a lot of the peers in the space. But um, you know, it's interesting to know for a company that's been absolutely on fire, you know, was on fire for 2019 uh, to see some slowdown. Yeah. And to be clear, like they still posted comp growth. And <laughs> so they're they're still on the right side of the equation in terms of, of growing versus declining. There's going to be a lot of others that don't have that to hang their hat on. Um, there's probably something a lot of a lot of folks will be writing and we're predicting around the the compressed holiday period. Maybe that's a little bit of a factor. Um, although I I think like a lot of folks, 
I, the, the, you know, you know who you're getting gifts for, and at some point, you know, one way or the other, you're going to get the gifts. You know, I don't know if an extra week sort of adds a, a, a bevy of new people to your list of like, oh, I need to go get gifts for X, Y, Z. Um, so, so chances are, it just compressed a lot of the, uh, the um, activity towards the end end of the holiday, uh, given the, the the shortage of a weekend. But I think the two bigger issues, uh, especially for the two categories you call out, is hey, you know, Toys R Us going under was uh, you know once in a generation kind of lottery ticket win for for target um you know already had a very good share in that category uh, already you know you know is is advantaged with the kind of the young family with kids um and by by leaning into that took more than their fair share of 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 uh of toys r us's uh, business as as it went as it folded and that's I don't know how to comp that, <laughs> you know. So that that was that was a bit of a one one uh, one off um, explos- explosion of, of of business in that category um, that will be dif- very difficult to lap. Um, the other factor, both that probably influences toys and electronics, is there wasn't really a um, breakaway product, you know, a, a console release, um, a next generation of TV technology, or um, uh, cabbage patch I'm dating myself but like with a cabbage patch kids equivalent or tickle me elmos of you know there's there's got to be some kind of blockbuster release um, to, to really drive I think these categories and we've been a few years now without one of those big new um, uh, blockbusters totally agree with you I, one of the things that was interesting to me so it, it, as I think about toys I believe I saw a report here recently and I know that the MPD is still sort of crunching the numbers but that essentially the toy business was flat or slightly declined in the fourth quarter of 2019. I think, you know, having worked in toys, uh, you know, several years ago in my days at Target, we knew at that point that electronics was starting to take share away from toys. And that's not to say that there won't be toys, but that that world between electronics yeah. and toys is becoming very blended. They're very intertwined. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you say a leapfrog tablet? Is that a, is that a toy? Is that an electronic? You know, people are obviously using iPads at a much younger age, mm-hmm. you know. So I think how you define those categories looks very different. But overall, I think, to your point, Toys R Us going out of business, I think it also had a negative imp- impact across the rest of the retailers because that was really the place where people could go with their kids, discover toys, really interact, and to have that be only a portion of your store. You know, Target, at least the Targets I've been in, there, the, the, sec- the toy sections look great, but it's hard to replace, you know, Toys R Us yeah. where you had hundreds and thousands of SKUs and you could discover these new things and they had actual events. Target is much more, as you know, it's a mass merchant. It's not a toy specialty store. And yeah. I think that that halo effect that it provides the rest of the the industry really helps. There's definitely an opportunity for them to dial up. I think in, in their re- remodeling, reformatting of a lot of categories, um, they've been moving towards more experience and, and trying to do events occasionally. But but I think that's that's a that that's the future, you know, for everyone. Frankly, is to how to how to leverage the space more for community interaction and trial than just to you know kind of stack it high and sell it cheap, as as was was what how the discount category kind of got started. Absolutely, and one of the things that was interesting, I actually went to a couple stores after the holiday season just to see what was out of stock. Um, you know, obviously one of the big things was was the AirPods Pro. I think that was probably the biggest electronics category release and those things were sold out relatively quickly I, you know yeah. I think a couple of weeks before holiday season the other thing that was really interesting is at least here in, in the Twin Cities going to several different best buys the Nintendo switch was completely sold out of all their stores which mm-hmm. I found really fascinating because that's a console that's been out now for 
you know, I think a little over two years. And for them to have sold out uh, on a product that's been yeah. out two years really tells me that it, it, nothing, the switch is great, but it was interesting to me to see that because I think that kind of speaks to the lack of newness in that particular category. So Lots hope, of promotion, too, because when you don't have new news, it's just discounted. Absolutely. I think that's, <clears throat> um, you know, as we think about the next holiday season, you know, I, I don't know how you measure or quantify the value of, of newness, but, you know, there's rumors that Sony's going to have a new PlayStation. Um, you know, I, who knows what Microsoft will do with the oh, Xbox yeah. console. But those obviously are big traffic drivers and, and drive a ton of volume for the retailers. Um, so, I, you know, I would expect that next year looks a little bit different as a result. Yeah, I don't I wouldn't take this Target news as kind of a, you know, the final story on Target or the sector. I think, you know, there's a lot of factors at play here between the lack of newness, the, the sort of one, one once in a lifetime event of Toys R Us um, and, and, and so forth, the compressed period. Absolutely. I think it really speaks, you know, <clears throat> if we think about Target overall, the strength of the apparel categories and the home categories actually, I think, speak to the fact that 2020 likely is going to be a good year. Uh, and as we get into some of the other retailers that we're talking about, still an opportunity to take share and customers from yeah. companies that are that are struggling and uh, continue that momentum. I think you and others have observed, too, that like some of that growth is in higher margin businesses, which is also very good. So yeah. even if the top, top line was a little soft, that you know, they're, they're still expecting to deliver on, on profit. Absolutely. Let's get into, uh, you know, our next segment here, uh, CEO Chalk Talk. So Let's we've had, this. we had a couple <laughs> listeners kind of uh, chime in and request this. So we had um, Michelle from Milwaukee wrote in and said- Menominee Falls. <laughs> Menominee Falls. Uh, Tupon and the Navio Group, I, I need some advice. I won the Retail Dive CEO of the Year Award for 2019. NRF recently honored me with the Visionary 2020 Award. I have taken bold risks, such as striking a historic partnership with Amazon to drive traffic to our coal stores in an environment where so many of our competitors are struggling and doing the same things. Not only that, but we've maintained revenue in an environment where that's been really difficult to do, yet no one seems to believe in us. Our stock is down 33% in the last 12 months, and Jim Cramer recently called our stock roadkill last week in, on his show. What else do I have to do to quiet the naysayers? Wow. Uh, and once again, to clarify, these are hypothetical letters in our mailbag. Um, but to this Michelle in, in Wisconsin, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's um, you're doing a lot of things. There's, there's a lot that could work well for Kohl's, <clears throat> but it's not, it's not an easy, easy thing to solve. Um, it, it, it's hard to even comment on you know, getting the award, it's almost uh, two years in a row now, uh, Retail Dive has named, you know, previous year, Jeff Gannett at Macy's. Macy's not doing so well. And then in this most recent year, uh, Michelle Gass, again, Cole's not doing so well. So I don't know if it's, uh, I wouldn't quite call it the kiss of death. I don't know if, I don't think Macy's and Cole's will, will, are, are quite there yet, but certainly not a, it's a bit of a jinx on <laughs> kind of getting the award and then uh, your, your performance the following year. And interesting that they keep kind of picking uh, department stores. But, um, you know, I, I would say on the positive, uh, Kohl's has been trying to push the envelope on this kind of experimental, you know, partnership route. Um, and, you know, when, when I think about Kohl's, I think of three things that um, are either assets or opportunities. You know, I think first and foremost for Kohl's, uh, one of the things they can hang their hat on is the Kohl's cash program. I think they have a, a pretty well adopted um, Loyalty program, I think uh, hopefully that ties together with uh, app adoption, et cetera. 
Um, and what I'm hoping uh, that they're doing is 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 really um, tapping into the data and and and, and pulling analytics uh, from uh, insights from that through analytics um, to try to 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 be, to be much sharper than just um, offering discounts and and teeing up product on the website or what have you, but really taking it ten steps further to um, informing product assortment, informing kind of product design, informing you know maybe new ways of driving d- defining their experience. Um, so that's you know something that they should hang their hat on, and I think lean into more is is, is that um, because certainly other retailers are still trying to figure out how to uh, deploy a good loyalty program, uh, and they often look to that as one of the better ones. Um, so so you know credit to them for for having one that's easy to understand. It's probably well adopted, um, and I think there's probably just opportunity for them to to use that as the linchpin. And you know you and I have been reflecting on kind of the 2020 agenda, which will kind of drop on our website soon of what retailers should be thinking about and kind of our seven point plan. And one of those critical levers in the plan is that personalized experience. And for me, that personalized experience begins and ends with the app. Like having that one-to-one identification and ability to track what somebody is doing from the moment of inspiration all the way through transaction is critical. So they have that, you know, for for the most part. Um, The other thing, the other two areas that I think are very interesting to think about with, or actually maybe I'll pause there. Any thoughts on the app? Yeah, I I think that I completely agree with you. I think if I think about the the broader, you know, the Amazon partnership, you know, for what it's worth, uh, <laughs> I actually think it it was a clever idea and it was bold to do something like that. I, I don't know that other leaders would have the courage to do that. So I I think to definitely some sort of you know kudos are in order for for doing that. At the same time, you know, I wonder how much is actually being measured and what the sort of success metrics look like for that. So oh, to yeah. back back to your point about you know personalization and the app, you know, if it's a customer acquisition tool, great. Um, but what does that look like? And then what is the impact, I would say, to the brand as a result of having Amazon essentially return centers in, in your store? You know, maybe you're picking up some new customers along the way, but then as a result, what are you, what are you trading off yeah. a, as a result of that? So you have this great, you know, I think the Kohl's Cash program is great. It's definitely enticing and compelling for people, uh, I think, to use. But then at the end of the day, how do you separate that from, from all the Amazon stuff that's happening? Yeah. And, and how do you, um, you know, measure that loyalty are the customers that are coming in through amazon are those loyal customers that are going to use your programs and whatnot um and uh, you know it would be great to hear some more details about that because i think that that's a big question that that i would have it absolutely is i mean that's definitely what what uh chris and others have kind of been calling out and that now the press is kind of writing the you know the traffic is there but we just don't know what else so so clearly traffic but then people are just kind of coming and going and not really stopping and so Maybe linking it back to point one is could could you make that a price of entry? Like that, you know, there's somehow the Coles app is the the ticket to do that. So it's a pretty low barrier, but it's something that like starts to build the one-to-one relationship. So, you know, you could at least, you know, some will opt out of notifications and emails, et cetera, but some might keep some. So, you know, as long as you make the app maybe part of that journey, even for the Amazon return, that could be some way to start to reap benefit of establishing a new relationship. I think it's also a good segue to the second opportunity in my mind, uh, which is all around ecosystems. Everybody's moving down this path of alliances and partnerships, um, you know, following the playbook from Alibaba and the kind of Chinese players and then Amazon and uh, not just kind of from a guest facing, you know, what, what where, 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 are there, where are there complementary offerings, but also underutilized assets to monetize, et cetera. Um, and the, th- the, the thought for me, and, you know, I'd add to Amazon that 
Kohl's also had has struck some partnership with Aldi, or there's some experimentation going there. Um, and maybe I'll start from the food angle to say that, you know, Kohl's has a decent selection on the general merchandise side. Their big gap is on the food side. When you kind of look at Walmart, Target, you know, they sort of a offer that one-stop shop where you can get your essentials, you can get some general merchandise. And that's a glaring gap for Kohl's on the food and essential side. And then it's in reverse for a player like Kroger, a gap on the general merchandise side or apparel side. Um, and so kind of leading to, to, to where I, I believe a far more logical set of partners would have been would be to start to look at where the Kroger and Walmart, uh, Walgreens uh, partnership is, is evolving towards. And so um, from from Kroger's perspective, their big gap again versus Walmart, which who they probably see as their because they're neck and neck in terms of market share for food, is is the, the the GM and apparel. And so, you know, when you when you think about where co- most coals are located, um, at least as a, I, I'll I'll say most. I, I think many uh, to be to be safer. Um, they're often in the same strip malls as 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 a Target or a Walmart. And for many years, they've drafted off of the traffic and. You know, on the plus side, they, that's where they are. They're not in, they're not as exposed to the tier two malls, uh, and they can, con- they could continue to draft off of that traffic, um, but they need to think about what they can offer and continue to be distinctive versus Target and uh, Walmart. So I, I, I'm actually jumping a little bit to, to, to my third thought around Coles, which is, you know, how do they continue to stay one step ahead in a couple of key categories? Um, you know, in in some areas. Target and Walmart are carrying the national and even premium brands. If, if I think about uh, essentials, I think about kitchen appliances, I think about those types of things. But when it comes to some categories like apparel and footwear, people are crossing that parking lot to go to Kohl's. And so, you know, I think they've kind of rested their laurels on getting a handful of brands um, uh, along the likes of a Nike, you know, Under Armour, Adidas, and uh, Levi's and a few others. Levi's is now available selectively at Target. So how do they continue to raise that bar and stay one step ahead? Because I think there is room for something that is just a bit better. There there are people that are not fully, they, they appreciate the one-stop shop, they appreciate the value, but there's still some brands and some products that aren't quite um, what people want. And so Kohl's, I think that was what Kohl's used to offer. And we've seen the market share now trade in apparel, very specifically, uh, down at Kohl's, up at Target. And so uh, how does Cole lean into to maybe better brands, maybe more premium assortment from from the, the if there's brands that overlap, and then certainly sharpening their pencil on private brand, which was a big big part of Target's play. So uh, combining two and three, I'd say uh, you know they're, they're, the the assortment piece. I think they need to to raise their bar again, um, it, not with a sort of Macy's or Nordstrom angle, but again just better than Target or Walmart where they're co-located and it's an easy trip across the. Uh, the uh, the parking lot, and then second, I or sort of the third is that whole ecosystem of partnerships, and who are the logical partners for them? And I kind of come back again to the sort of Walgreens and Kroger angle, and say that's where I would imagine there's a little more overlap in the customer base because when I think about Aldi, it's almost the opposite, even of Kohl's and uh, even a Walmart, in that very little national brand. And if you're somebody that cares about familiar brands. Um, I, w- I would wager that the overlap of the guest um, across a Kroger and a Kohl's is actually much higher than it is at Aldi. So Aldi was interesting because they're growing fast, they need the real estate, et cetera. But you know, if you bring those two together and sort of a related point, 
Kroger has a fantastic loyalty program, incredible analytics capability. And so if you could somehow marry the two and start to figure out how to unlock cross promotions or, again, just even go beyond what you guys do as two players, but what, what can you do to unlock, you know, people's life experiences or other, you know, bring that as a value and serve that up uh, as a service line or business um, could, be, could be very interesting. Yeah, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, one of the things for at least when I was at Target uh, and working in apparel, we never had access to Nike or Under Armour Adidas. It just, it's just not going to happen. And I think that's a real strength for Kohl's is to lean into those partnerships that they have as sort of opening price point for those particular brands for them to introduce new customers to Nike, to Under Armour. Um, you know, and I think there's a ton of opportunity as well to kind of lean into those partnerships create some store within a store uh, environments. You know, Nike's put in a ton of money on, on their flagship stores, but those are certainly higher price point items that they have in those locations. And I think the ability for Kohl's to be more of a place for families uh, and to kind of introduce customers to that brand, I think is a large scale opportunity and one that, quite frankly, Target isn't going to be able to do. Walmart's not going to be able to do. Um, you know, JCPenney is really struggling. We've, you know, saw some news today on that. Uh, I, I think there's opportunity there to kind of use that as a way to get people in the door um, rather than something like Amazon, for example. Uh, and, you know, I don't know what yeah. that would look like, it's but that, be, seems, that seems like, you know, to your point, that's the real. There's got to be a compelling product and reason to cross that parking lot. And, you know, I think we knew this when I was at Walmart that uh, that that's what people did. Like they stocked up on their essentials. They went to Kohl's for the rest. Um, and, and they need to kind of keep raising that bar as the discounters raise their bar on apparel and footwear and chip away at some of those brands. And I think that's the danger is they rest on the laurels of they got Under Armour and then they stopped. And then you're like, well, you know, every 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 kind of category or brand has a sort of life cycle or adoption. And, you know, Under Armour was once very prestige, very kind of niche. It sort of has, you know, gotten a little bit mass and Kohl's somewhat contributes to that. But they need to continue to look for what's the next one and the next one, because at some point, one of those big three is going to go into Target and Walmart. Absolutely. So I think if we had to summarize this, like, you know, I think to kind of distill it down into what we would say, to, you know, Michelle Gass, I think there's, we definitely both see the opportunity there. It's, it's a, you know, it's a compelling opportunity. They have the right partnerships and brands. I think it's expanding some of those partnerships um, and investing in the ones that they have as a way to acquire customers um, as potentially a way to continue to grow the business and, and really succeed in, in this place where a lot of other retail Apparel, apparel retailers and department stores aren't doing well, and there's that opportunity to go out and, and get that business. Yeah. I just, I, maybe one final thought is, you know, on the, you know, Amazon side, that, that probably, again, kind of like Aldi, I would say, was probably not the right ideal partner. I mean, yes, they have a lot of traffic. Yes, they're huge. But in a way, it's almost too big and too dangerous uh, a partner to sort of bring into your house, so to speak. And so who could have been or who could be a far more... Um, how do I say, you know, even partner in truly a partnership kind of kind of mode. And unfortunately, there's not a, another Amazon out there right now. But, um, what, you know, are there platforms like Google or Facebook, et cetera, that are or Shopify that are trying to um, kind of fight that similar battle of, OK, how, how do we sort of coalesce and uh, bring things together in a way to 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 balance um, the market versus Amazon? I, w I would look to that. Uh, as the as the technology partner or online maybe retail channel of of, of choice for a partnership. Awesome. So uh, we've had we've covered a lot of ground here, um, and and you know 
there's been a lot of topics to cover here as 2020. So we'll try and move through our full price or discount segment relatively quickly. Um, so we have three topics here we'll, we'll discuss. So number one, we'll, we'll hit quick. But, um, you know, one of the news, news from, I believe, late last week or early this week, I can't remember when now. Um, but Steph Corey announced that she's coming back as the co-CEO of Away. Is that a good idea? Um, is, you know, is it a good idea for her to come back full price or discount on, on her coming back? I'm deep discount on this one. This one seems just from a values, team engagement, morale, uh, pretty pretty negative. I, it seemed like uh, there was a pretty toxic culture and pretty good reason for her to step back. And so it's, 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 it's almost makes your head spin and how quickly that's been reversed and wh- what signal that sends to the people that were we're feeling that, you know, just, just, uh, uh, I don't even know what the word is, but the, the pressure or the, uh, the negative effect of that toxicity. Absolutely. I think discount as well here. And, and I think about it a little bit, um, along the, the vein of you have a great COO, uh, from Lou Lemon, Stuart Hazelden, that's coming in as a oh, CEO. Yeah. Um, he, you know, by all accounts, Obviously, the brand grew. Lululemon grew a ton under his tenure. Uh, he weathered the storm of having a CEO transition. At, at this point, let him kind of run it. The, the brand is great. You have a great product. Um, there's a lot of momentum. So I think it makes sense for him to come in and do it. And having someone that's actually the founder come back uh, and act as co-CEO, I think, actually hurts the potential of the business to grow. And and obviously, you feel for someone like that where they've come in, they think they're going to be the CEO, and you all of a sudden have the founder coming back in. It doesn't – I don't think it, it, yeah. it's helpful from a strategy perspective to do that. Uh, speaking of head spinning, I can imagine his head spinning the more more than anyone's, frankly, because you know, you're know you kind of coming in with an expectation that you're, you're going to be running the show and, and, and have that autonomy and suddenly to be partnered and not. <laughs> it, it would seem I, – I, 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 I'm pessimistic about how, like his longevity, frankly, like, I don't know how long I would stay if that was, if the agreement that I had or understanding coming in changed so, so drastically, uh, right. Reminds me a little bit of, of the, uh, Steve Jobs, uh, John Scully, uh, scenario at Apple, yeah. um, of having a new leader, but then having the founder kind of in the shadows, kind of like, um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of the product. We, you know, at least I use it every week on our trips to, to client sites. It's great. So obviously rooting for them, but definitely think uh, this is uh, more <laughs> of a, a discount. Yeah. <laughs> um, not a sponsor of the show yet. Yeah. Um, so second one that was interesting, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond will be thriving in five years, full price or discount? Oh, um, why don't you go first? <laughs> Yeah, I think you know my my point of view on it is, I, I'm full price on this one. I I really do believe in sort of the Bed Bath brand and, and what it can be. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of things just blocking and tackling that I think Mark Mark Tritton's going to be able to come in and, and help with. So you know, from an inventory perspective, uh, cleaning things up. I think he has already shown. Uh, the first move that he did was go out and basically get rid of the entire leadership team. Uh, I think it was six exec, five or six executives. Six, that he, I think, yeah. Yeah, that he got rid of. So he's hiring a brand new team. And I think at the end of the day, that's a that's a great move because you want to change the culture there. You want to change the direction of the company. Uh, you know, they had a poor result that they recently announced, but he comes out and says, you know, we're going to take a little bit of time to come out with the vision. We're going to announce that, you know, I think sometime in that March, April time period. Uh, he definitely, I believe, has the the sort of playbook from being at Nordstrom and Target. And at the end of the day, Bed Bath is a compelling value proposition for customers. There's not really a destination for people to go uh, from a home and a bath 
you know, and, and standpoint. And I really think that they can stand out and, and do that. And they also, going back to the Coles point, they have great brands in their store. Mm-hmm. They have these great partnerships that they can lean in on. So uh, I am bullish on them, um, you know, and, and, and would think that they will be doing well in five years. Yeah. You've convinced me, actually, as I, I was kind of like neutral on this. I'm not, you know, although I should take a point of view. I was actually probably more uh, discount because I just felt like, you know, it, it's it's a tough kind of a, I don't know if it's quite as dire as JCPenney, but uh, uh, situation to solve. But I've said this before. I mean, I think there is a room in every category for for one category killer. And and I wouldn't use that term anymore. It's one category specialist. Um, because, you know, again, if I think back a few years ago, there was linens and things. There, there used to be a few. And maybe there were regional ones as well. And I've, I've noticed this away one. Or no, there's another one that's at home, I think. I don't know if that's quite the same. That's emerging, but I think every category still needs, I you know, some specialist where uh, there's a little bit of extended assortment, there's a little bit of maybe higher touch service in terms of knowledge um, and curation, um, and so that's 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 where Bed Bath should move. It's a little bit upstream. It's not stack it high, sell it cheap, and send you like a thousand, you know, twenty percent off coupons. It's we are the authority on this, and we have brands that Target and Walmart don't have. And we, you know, we have people that can help you design an interior, you know, or, or an app or a tool. Uh, again, you know, probably not saying too much, but it, I, I'm sure others are doing this. So they just need to stay one step ahead of that and not kind of rely on the, the box and the inventory and the sort of value as, as the compelling thing. Because no category specialist is going to survive that way in an Amazon Walmart world. Yeah, to your point, I think Jeff Mackey from CNBC <clears throat> said, go after the wealthier millennials. And I think that's like a perfect opportunity is, you know, right on. Uh, you start settling into homes and you want to, yeah. you know, outfit your kitchen and you want to have, you know, nicer sheets and towels and stuff yeah. like that. Like they're, they're there, they're, they can do that. And I think they're perfectly positioned for it. There may be something funny to also play off of the, the name of Bed Bath & Beyond. I can't I forget what movie it was where there's like a scene where they, they go into a Bed Bath and the Beyond is like this like secret area <laughs> in the back. But you know, could there be also something to that in terms of uh, newness and experience, or other categories, or just something that rotates and surprises and delights and is just beyond? So you've got bed and bath, check check. What's the beyond exactly? Yeah, I think they've you know it's been a hard road to kind of define that. So definitely yeah. a big opportunity for them going forward. Great. So last one here, uh, Casper will be a direct to consumer IPO success story, full price or discount? Uh, discount. <laughs> what makes you say that? You know, I think um, I think the I don't know if the, maybe I'm being too dramatic saying the wheels are coming off a lot of the the digitally native DTC kind of brands. The story around the hype, and I'm probably a little bit jaded from reading some of the articles this week, but um, that you know there 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 isn't some silver bullet. I think you know um, there's some categories where there's frequency and there's 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 maybe some logic. Um, I think about the shaving category. You had one large incumbent. It, it, pricing was a little bit off. I mean, just there wasn't really strong value, and I think that category needed disruption. Did it was the only way to disrupt it through DTC? I don't know. Um, but when you think about mattresses, it's it's a really infrequent purchase, um, and so just that's just the um, how do I say the the sustainability of that? Like what what you know how, what do you do with that? You know, just given high acquisition cost of customers, like. You're not routinizing them into a new habit. It's you know I might buy a mattress every five years. Um, so are, am I going to come back to you? <laughs> like how do you know I came back to you? Uh, seems 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 like a tough category to try to do this model in. And then we all know that 
everybody's pivoting to now selling through stores, opening their own stores, going to traditional media to market. So then it's like, how is this different <laughs> like than any other <laughs> brand <laughs> at the end of the day? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I might be actually on the opposite side of this. And, you know, it's not that I necessarily see today that I think it if, if what it is today is going to move forward, you know, I don't know that it becomes successful. But, uh, you know, Scott Galloway calls it yoga babble when people say stuff <laughs> like the, the sleep economy or, you know. I was just going to say, what did the... Uh, but, but I actually I'll do believe it. PG, it. What the heck is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sleep economy. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, I think you're right about the mattresses, but <clears> I see sort of if you think about the sleep category overall, like who... I don't know a name brand sort of noise machine maker. And I, I think there's also like opportunity, for example, to say we're going to do... Uh, humidifiers because mm-hmm. like for us in cold weather like that's important for like it's nice to have that for good night's sleep or you have essential oils and diffusers and those sort of things so I sort of see this if you if they take it a step further and actually do that um, they're building out brick and mortar footprints so I think that actually if you move away from just saying we're not going to be just a pure play mattress provider yeah. we're actually going to do something around sleep and we're either going to partner with companies or we're going to buy some of these other companies using the proceeds from our IPO I actually do see the opportunity there to, to be able to do that because you could put all of this together in one place. And we oftentimes talk about that uh, shopping by occasion. And to me, sleep as in, you know, yeah. I don't want to say occasion because everyone does it, you know, every No, but night. it's a need state. I think, yeah. I think rest, uh, wellness. I mean, I think, you know, and I, I tracked this closely in my days in food and beverage. It was all about energy, energy, energy. And I remember going to expos and suddenly seeing uh, shift towards uh, relaxation beverages because I think people suddenly realize like the best way to give you energy is actually for you to get rest. <laughs> like, yeah, that we've kind of forgotten that, and like the pendulum is swinging now towards people, you know, through self care. Through I mean, that has many many connotations, but I mean, one aspect of that is also rest, recovery, recuperation, and um, was it LeBron? I mean, I'm not a big yeah, <laughs> like, but it's up. I think it was LeBron James actually made the point or somebody that like sleep is the most integral part of their training program. And I think, you know, we've all been so trained to think, to brag about how little we sleep um, and to pound, I don't know if I see five-hour energy as much anymore, but Red Bull, five-hour energy, et cetera, et cetera, like that is going away. Well, not going away, but plateauing or sort of stepping down. And uh, and you see the the, the, the rise of, from yoga, in fact, (laughs) to take your point about yoga babble, but I mean, those types of practices that help with recovery and help with rest and, you know, just kind of self-care, so to speak, is huge. Um, and so, you know, I'd still say a little bit bullish, uh, sorry, bearish on this, but, you know, I, I like your point around the broader thing. So it's yet to be proven, but I think if they can make, extend that brand and do all of those things, then I think it could be something. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, if I were betting on it today, I don't know that I would I'd want to do it, but I, I see the opportunity there in that space because yeah. there's not like a premier player in the, like in sleep, for example. So I really see that that opportunity and if they continue to pursue it i don't think there's any yeah, reason it can't i would successful. take it all the way to food and beverage relaxation beverages that they've been around i mean it, it goes all the way back to drinking a warm cup of milk at bedtime like that the concept is not new um but nobody's it sort of faded because um because again the emphasis on energy and bra- bragging sort of culture about lack of sleep but now i think people are realizing hey, sleep is important yeah no absolutely recovery is important absolutely um, all right. Well, that does it for us today. We've obviously covered a lot of ground today, uh, a lot of news stories here over the last couple of weeks, um, and we'll have even more yeah. I think, next time as the slow Big trickle week. of earnings comes in and, and all that. Um, so thank you to the listeners for, for listening today. If you're interested in any particular topic for the next show, 
uh, please feel free to send us a note at info at thenaviogroup.com or visit our website at thenaviogroup.com. Thanks again and uh, hope to catch you next time.